Hi, I'm Allison Hess. And I'm Sophia Fabili. Welcome back to the Playhouse Podcast. And guess what? It's our 40th season. There's lots to celebrate, including eight shows to see this summer. And the Playhouse Podcast brings a behind-the-scenes look at our action-packed season to give your ears a front-row seat. Cheers to 40 years! Welcome back to the Playhouse Podcast. We're recording today on the ancestral lands of the Haudenosaunee and the Anishinaabeg peoples. This land is part of the Dish with One Spoon Wampum, which is a peace agreement between the Haudenosaunee and the Anishinaabeg and extends to the area surrounding the Great Lakes and the St. Lawrence River. Subsequent Indigenous nations, settlers, and newcomers are invited into this treaty in the spirit of peace, friendship, and respect. Thank you so much for joining us back on the Playhouse Podcast. We're back again. We are on episode five. This season is flying. I know, it really is. Um, Your name is? (laughs) My name is Allison Hess, and I'm here with... I'm Sophia Fabili. We're back as your podcast hosts, and this is an extra special episode because we're talking about the show that I'm directing. Amazing. Which is called Every Brilliant Thing, and I'm very excited to talk about it and I had to do very little prep for this podcast episode because everything lives in my head but I'm going to be serving as interviewer and interviewee today and we're super super excited to have none other than the ultra amazing Lisa Horner who is starring in the show in the studio with us today hi Lisa hi there Welcome. We're so happy you're joining us for the Playhouse podcast today. Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. So first off, we always start. I read a little bit of your bio. Okay. Talk about how awesome you are. <laughs> now, this is a highlight bio because you've done so many amazing, brilliant things. That was good. That we couldn't have time to do all of them. <laughs> yeah. So this is your first season with the Thousand Ounce Playhouse. So, yes, it is. So your debut. Uh, but you have worked um, with Stratford Festival, Shaw Festival, Come From Away, Wizard of Oz at Mervish, Grey Gardens at the Musical Stage Company, as well as film and TV, including Kim's Convenience, Little Mosque on the Prairie, Road to Avonlea, and I think what a lot of people know you from... Uh, just day to day is the start the car <laughs> yep. ikea commercial so thank you for coming before we dove in we were just chatting before we started and i was saying that i totally like that's how i for the for people outside the industry and like who's in your show i'm like oh lisa horner she's in the start the car commercial you know that <laughs> ikea commercial oh my god you have her <laughs> so yeah oh my god we have her <laughs> amazing now to jump in and uh, into the deep end i think okay um what is Every Brilliant Thing about? And what makes this show unique compared to some other shows that our audience might have seen at the theater? Oh, my gosh. I feel like this is one of the most unique shows I've ever done. Um, it's the story of a person talking about their mother who has suicidal tendencies and how they have come up with a bunch of brilliant things to try to convince their mom to to see all the gorgeous gorgeous things in the world, things to live for, things that are beautiful. And, um, you know, another word you could use is gratitude, but I think um, keeping your eyes open and looking around for things that make you feel good. And, and so um, this person, when they were writing it, they started establishing this list. And so that's my character, is uh, using members of the audience to help tell the story and create different people within the story. It's very immediate in its telling. And they're um, helping me read out all of my different brilliant things. That was a killer, killer synopsis. Thank you so much. That was good. That was good. (laughs) I loved it. And the whole list spans her life, too. So we see her life as she goes, her own ups and downs. 
and the uniqueness. What's unique about it, Lisa Horner? Well, the uniqueness is that I can't tell the story by myself. So I am very um, dependent and um, jazzed to be able to have members of the audience and make a whole bunch of new friends. And they're going to come up and they're going to help tell the story with me. There's no pressure to it. It's, a, it's so beautifully constructed because um, people can come up and not feel stressed or under the gun or particularly vulnerable because we all hold hands and just tell this gorgeous story together. And I, and I think by doing that, it's a unique uh, situation that people can see vulnerable people going through things and that it's going to be okay. Absolutely. And I think like I've been I've been playing Lisa's, you know, different stage, different scene partners. We don't want to give too much away, mm-hmm. but I've been playing Lisa's different scene partners throughout the show who will be wonderful, courageous, hilarious volunteers from the audience. And Lisa's doing this amazing job of like taking care of the audience and telling them what to do and great job. Like she's just, she's just, <laughs> so we're having a lot of fun finding like what that path is and how, because I feel like sometimes you say, my show has audience participation and people go, mm. but this is, it's really something very, very, very different. And not only is the show, I think amazing because it's written by mm. Duncan McMillan, who's this incredible British playwright who's written all sorts of amazing, really challenging, beautiful, dark, mysterious plays. Mm-hmm. And Johnny Donahue, who is a stand-up comic. Yes. And he did the, and he played the original show himself. So yeah. these kind of like this odd couple, I find, I think of like yeah. these writers come together to make this show. And I think that's really how we get the, the double, not the two-sidedness, but it's, the dark and the light of the show, it kind of yes. makes sense when you think about who wrote it together, this writing partnership. Right, right. Um, I, I, that's amazing. I have a question for both of you, really. Um, when you're talking about this kind of, I think audience participation sounds a little bit like... Give me a location. Yeah, exactly, right? Like, it, <laughs> like when you're building this kind of communications conversation with the audience. Yeah. Um, what is that like, you know, in rehearsal? Because in, in a lot of plays, you know, you're you're rehearsing where you stand, where you go. Mm-hmm. You're re- rehearsing kind of your intention behind what you say and what you do. But in something like this, you must also be, you know, rehearsing how to build that safe space so that the audience does feel welcomed in and doesn't feel like, oh, no, like, don't look at me. You know, like, I don't, I don't I'm uncomfortable, right? So what's that 100%. like? 100%. Well, I think that but without giving too much away, I think it's about establishing relationships with these folks and, and, and making everybody feel very comfortable and knowing that I will, I will be a safe space for them to go to. I'm not somebody that's going to challenge them. I'm there to hold their hand and be friends mm-hmm. because they are so important to me and that there, there isn't any being put on the spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is about telling, I think, a very sad yet common story that needs to be normalized, subjects that need to be normalized, talked about. I think there's a lot of, um, what's the word I'm looking for, healing in that type of scenario. So I, I think it's an added layer in rehearsal that we were trying to deal with in terms of figuring out logistics. Um, uh, so that will add a layer in that would normally not be there. But as far as the rest of it goes, I think the biggest word I keep using is empathy, I, having empathy for this story, having empathy for people who are in the audience with me, and it will be a situation where I, 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 want, to use, I want to work with folks who want to work with it mm-hmm. and work with me, mm-hmm. and that's the criteria. Absolutely. And it really is, it demands a lot of Lisa, because usually a show, 
you're saying this morning, right? There's going to be parts of the show that are not set in stone Mm -hmm. because we don't know how it will. There's going to be spontaneity. There's going to be some improv. There's going to be, I don't know what's going to happen next, depending on what the audience member says. There's going to be, it's going to be, the show will be different every single night. Yep. Drastically different. So Lisa really is like taking on a really like just different show because it's a different beast and sometimes I don't. I know we don't do this because we're professionals. But maybe in other shows, you know, you kind of get into your routine of how you do your thing. This is really, really not like that. Mm-hmm. And I think what makes it so exciting, and it's kind of like we were talking about, like a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Yes, that the show is so funny and it's built to be so joyful in the way that the audience is part of the show, mm-hmm. and it gets people laughing and it gets people involved. So I think that's also will help, I think, with people feeling comfortable and excited when they know, oh, I understand what's okay, okay, okay. They're going to be, I think, buy-in because it's just, yeah. it's super fun. And I'm hope, hopefully making it sound really, like, intriguing and mysterious right now. That's what I, <laughs> that's what I hope. But, I, but, ooh, it sounds so interesting what they're talking about. So vague yet cool. And, and you'll probably have to come multiple times oh, yes. because every show will be different, right? Yes, yes I think <laughs> so. Yes, yes, so if you need to buy an extra ticket, I mean, really don't hesitate. <laughs> Three tickets is cool, too. Yeah, yeah, good, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um... So, I mean, going back to, like, the mental health stuff, too, I feel like I've heard it described as being, like, one of the funniest show, shows about depression and, and suicide. And so, also, I should say that, you know, there is a bit of a trigger warning for the show in terms of that it does discuss these really tough topics, mm-hmm. but it does so in a very intelligent way. I feel like I'm particularly sensitive to shows that talk about those topics in ways that are not sensitive, and I think that it's done very, very gracefully and, and brilliantly in the show. Yes. But, you know, we've been doing a lot of work in terms of balancing the dark and the light. So, Lisa Horner, mm-hmm. how do you perform a show that's possibly the funniest show about depression? <laughs> um, yes. Well, I sort of, uh, obviously, you and I, Sophia, are doing a lot of talking, a lot of talking about suicide, depression, but also, you know, what's the pragmatic aspect of it? Where's the healing? Where's the being able to stand back and say, We know what the topic is. We know what the subject is, but we also know how life works. We know that it goes real low. It also can go really high. And uh, I think certainly after what we've all experienced in the last number of years, we we are all profoundly changed in probably um, some negative ways. So I think we can all come to the table together and and realize that and knowing that a sense of humor can rescue you Mm -hmm. um, so much, so many times out of so many pits. I know it has for me personally. And so in the telling of this, I know Sophia's mentioned to me a few times, like, always remember that there's a distance to it as well. Like a, a memory with distance has a more pragmatic way of talking about it, which is better in this scenario when you're t- talking to an audience and telling your story. You're not in the immediacy. It doesn't go there. Some plays may go there where you'd be in the middle of talking about something and living it. And so the audience goes there with you. But the audience is with me as a person reflecting back on a story and also somebody who is resilient and has developed resilience enough to be able to have a sense of humor and how important that sense of humor is. And uh, silliness is another thing we talk about, how important it is to feel silly and be silly, no matter how old you are. And I think uh, along the lines of the improv stuff, this is probably the only time in my life that I could do a show like this where I would feel relaxed enough. Sometimes I think it, you, we could all say we maybe went through a bit of a war in the last you know, few years trying to figure some stuff out. And, 
and coming out on the other side, the resilience of it has made me much more relaxed. It's made me much more relaxed as a performer as well. Because um, I, I really think that we, we all have to stop and look around. We have to look at each other and really, really pay attention to each other. Because I don't think there's any way out of it except kind of holding hands and, and uh, really doing that. So this show kind of encapsulates that for me is uh, – how much we need each other and how, and how important it is to tell the story, but how I need people from, from the audience to help me tell it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, you know, this is our, our fifth show of the season. And obviously a lot of our shows are a bit more like proscenium, which means the, the acting happens on stage and we, we watch. But even in those shows, I think after this pan- pandemic or as we continue kind mm-hmm. of through the pandemic, um, we've had so much feedback from audience of how great it feels to just be with people and feeling emotions with people, whether it's like, you know, we had a, a farce earlier in the year, like to laugh together, right? Yeah. And Or to, to feel like sadness to feel these emotions together, which is something we haven't been able to do. And, and I mean, I think with every brilliant thing, it's a perfect show, as you just said, like a perfect show for that sort of thing where, where it's not just me and, and then you and we're separate, but we're all in it together. That's it. And I feel like those human, like we are meant to live in villages. We are meant to commune. We are meant to Mm -hmm. tell stories together. And yes, it's nice some nights to just turn on Netflix alone and in your couch and just watch a story that way. Mm -hmm. But I really think it is like rediscovering the joy of, of live theater. I know we, it's kind of cliche, but like that kind of spark, exciting, everyone <gasps> gasps at the same time. Those kinds of things, you really just can't... Netflix, sorry, Netflix, you can give us a lot, of, but you can't give us that. And I feel like we have a... I was saying, you know, we need to, like, bake the show with a lot of joy because mm-hmm. if we can bake it and make it really fun, then it's going to translate. And that kind of communal experience that we're going to have watching the show is going to be that much more sweet, which, again, going back to our medicine metaphor... Is that like, yeah, I think the more that we laugh, the more our heart, our, our, our lungs open, our hearts open, and we can process these bigger ideas. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, Sophia, I'm actually going to turn the spotlight a bit on you for a oh. second. Um, so this is actually your first time directing. You've, assist, you've assisted directing, you've mm-hmm. associate directed, mm-hmm. you've been involved in lots of different ways, but this mm-hmm. is the first time it's your, your show. Mm-hmm. How's that going? Um, well, it, it's very easy to work with someone who's so amazing as Lisa Horner. I was saying, like, it makes my job so easy because she's You're just... You're looking me right in the eyes. You have... There's no choice right here. There's no <laughs> way of getting out of it. Listen, I, like, there's no way I have to fudge saying nice things about you. I mean, honestly, like, I really... People do say, like, your, it's all about your cast, right? If you have great actors in the great roles, like, it take the show takes care of itself. So it really is truly like such a joy to work with you i feel like we're just in in it together and i just get to watch and part of me is like oh thank god i'm not up there like i do (laughs) i do feel a relief but i do feel like excited that i got this opportunity which is big thanks to brett for you know throwing me this opportunity when i wasn't even really didn't see it coming so it was very nice and um, i'm glad i said yes even though i totally had imposter syndrome i will say going into rehearsals like dear god Mm. i'm going in to direct lisa horner what do i know about directing i was even like texting brett being like i'm gonna google what directing is he's like oh stop i'm like well i don't know man (laughs) i'm like i don't know should i be reading books on directing i think i know what it is i do but it's just i've never really done it but i think i think you never feel ready for something until you do it. Yep. Did you feel like that about this crazy play? 100%. It, I, I find it very difficult to um, prep live theater 
I, I love to do as much reading as I can. Um, but until I'm standing on my legs in the middle of the room, I have no idea how this is going to go. And I think that that's, I think that's good. I think having, having confidence in the fact that we can be resilient and we can say, I don't know if I don't know. And also, this is a beautiful room. I'm very, very lucky because I'd just like to say it's, it's um, three gals. Uh, it's myself and Saren and Sophia, and we're having a lot, we're having a lot of talks. Um, we're also having a lot of um, uh, listening to each other. Everybody has voice in the room. And uh, there's, there's something incredibly vulnerable about live theater uh, where you're sort of anything can happen and you're, you know, you're, you're hanging your stuff out there. So you want to feel safe and you want to feel good. And, and you can't get anywhere, in my opinion, in theater unless you dive in. Mm-hmm. And I'm a diver inner and um, everybody's giving me a lot of foundation. So I feel very lucky. She definitely is a diver in her because, like, within about, like, two hours, I feel like we've <laughs> we've only been going since Tuesday. It's now Friday when we're recording this. And we just did a f- – I'm going to I'm gonna brag about you <laughs> that we did a full run of the show this morning. Mm-hmm. And we didn't even do a full day on Tuesday. So <laughs> if you – I don't know if the, for anyone out there who's rehearsed a show before, like, the speed at which Lisa works. I was joking this morning. I'm like, I'm just trying to keep up with you. Like, you're just – we're really – but it also is – it's all – like, it's – the show really is – so it's a tour de force, we call it, and that kind of thing. It's just, it's really, you are creating a whole world, mm-hmm. and this, and the audience is your scene partner, mm-hmm. literally. So, or the audience is your, yeah, audience is your scene they partner. Are. Yeah, so it's a, it's a big, it's a big job, but someone's got to do it. Ah. Lisa, we, thank God we got Lisa Horner. Um, so every brilliant thing. You're list- in the play, we're listing every brilliant thing. I'm going to kind of, uh, not a lightning round per se, but uh, I'd love for you to maybe give us a couple brilliant things from maybe today. I think they change uh, often. You know, I feel like when we talk about gratitude and, and noticing the beautiful and brilliant things around us, um, I think immediacy and, and so they can, they can vary, right? But give us maybe one or two brilliant things that come to mind for you today that make life worth all the living we do. My AC was broken, and I was totally texting my furnace guy during rehearsal yesterday because he was broken to my house for me to fix it, and Lisa Horner was so cool about that, and when I woke up this morning, I didn't feel like I had slept in an oven, so that was pretty brilliant. One of my brilliant things is when I was driving home yesterday, first of all, Gandanakwe is gorgeous and truly one of the most beautiful places I've ever worked. And when I was driving home yesterday in the golden sunlight, and I'm staying in a beautiful place, I saw four baby foxes, and they were running around on the lawns. And I'm, I live in Toronto, so that doesn't come up very often. And so when I see them, I'm like, oh, baby foxes. <laughs> so that was my brilliant thing for yesterday. And, you know, my brilliant thing for today is feeling like I can say something in a room, and it's going to be heard with empathy and love. That's my brilliant thing for today. And mine for today is that Lisa got up after working for only a few days on this play and did a run, which is truly brilliant. And not only that, made so many new choices and discoveries that made me laugh out loud. <laughs> That's free entertainment that I'm getting as my, my job right now. So <laughs> there's many, many brilliant moments. But yeah, mm-hmm. it really is cool to watch someone as talented and committed. Like Lisa calls herself a workhorse. That's freaking true. And just to see you up there killing it so early. I'm like, all right, we're going to take a few days off. Just kidding. But it's just so good. <laughs> so just good. 
Awesome. And then and I know you've already kind of mentioned how beautiful Gan is. Mm. And as always, I like to put, uh, pull attention to the fact that we are recording literally right next to the water. Like, I know that our, our beautiful listeners, you can't see it, but imagine it in your heads. The water is sparkling. Uh, it is lovely. It's a very lovely place <sighs> to record this podcast. Um, but, you know, what? what is something other than the foxes mm-hmm. and the beauty that you've really enjoyed about Gan? Well, I love the water. And anytime I can be near the water uh, and the fact that it's so close and if you live here and that's part of your life. The thing about the love about the water that I love is I love it when it's stormy. I love it when it's gorgeous. I would love it in the winter. I, I, I just think it's um, such a wonderful aspect. And the con- just the, con- the construct of this town, uh, it feels like there's been such beautiful attention to detail flowers everywhere um the the facades of stores and everything has this beautiful charm to it um and i saw a show here i think it was like in the 90s i saw uh, um jasper station and that would be over 20 years ago and i remember being just blown away by the town and it is looks even better it's even more it's even more beautiful okay i got a quick one and it's the carrot cake from panache bakery Mm -hmm. That everyone at the Playhouse knows I'm obsessed with. And so if you haven't gone there, you got to go get it. We had it yesterday as a treat. And uh, Lisa, what's your review? Good? Oh, my gosh. It was gorgeous. Yeah. That icing, cream cheese, come on. Ting's got it going on. You got to go to Panache. Amazing. I love Panache. I love Ting. Amazing. Her pastries as well. (gasps) She's amazing. Yeah, check them out. Um, I think... We did it. That that is a a great... (laughs) That's a great podcast. That's a great podcast. Let's just say it. That's a great podcast. Listen, Lisa, thank you for ta- – we stole you out of rehearsal. Thank you for being here. Thank you for coming to do this show with us. I'm just – it's a true, true pleasure. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you very, very much for having me. And as always, we want to express our special thanks to Mark Hunt, Thousand Islands Playhouse, his head carpenter for composing the music. And this podcast is sponsored and produced by MyFM Gananakwe. Many thanks to Terry Lynn and Carrie and the MyFM team for all their help. For more ticket information for every brilliant thing, to get your one, two, three tickets, uh, please visit us at thousandoundsplayhouse.com and we will see you at the theater. Bye. 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 Bye.